we're going to learn to fight. Not just to fight like men, but to fight like men of God. Because I believe that in every single one of your lives, there are certain battles that you must fight and you must win and you must win them decisively. Hey, welcome today to all of you at all of our Life Church locations and those of our partnering network churches all over the world. We are so thankful for you. We're also very glad to have those of you joining us from countries all over the world right now at Church Online. We are here for you, and we're very excited to have you worshiping with us. Uh, let me tell you what we're going to do next week. Next week, we're starting a four-part series called Necessary Sins. Now, a lot of people are like, what in the world is a necessary sin? Uh, all sin is wrong, but so many times, a lot of us, we may rationalize out cer certain sins and may even try to say they're kind of respectable, acceptable, and maybe even necessary just to get through life. We're going to talk about lying, we're going to talk about gossip, we're going to talk about anger, and we're going to talk about lust. A lot of people think those are necessary just to get through life, but we're going to see how God's Word can actually set us free. Today what I want to do is I want to talk to you just for one week, uh, a message I'm calling Fight, based on my newest book, Fight, Winning the Battles That Matter Most. Uh, ladies, I just have to tell you this one is for the men, and with your permission, I want to speak into the lives of the men today. I do want to say that Amy and I are very, very honored to donate all of the proceeds of these books to the church, and so I feel even more free to say, buy a bunch of them. And so uh, I hope that they're a blessing to you and those that you know. Uh, it is a little controversial. Some people are already saying, isn't that kind of a violent theme and such? And so in case it's not controversial to you yet, let me go ahead and try to make sure it is by telling you the story, all right? Is that fair enough? Uh, I've got six kids. Two of them are sons. Uh, my oldest son now is going on 13. But when he was a little kid, just kind of maybe three or so, we were at a party one time, and there was another boy there that was older than he was and bigger. I was talking to the kid's dad, and Sam and this other kid were playing. And the kid just came up and just walloped Sam, just pushed him down as hard as he could on the ground. I kind of looked on like, what was that? And, and Sam looked at me like, Dad, what do I do? And I just said, shake it off, buddy, shake it off, just shake it off. And so Sam stood back up, and the kid just came at him again and laid into him, and Sam fell on the ground again. I'm kind of looking at the dad like, you know. And I said, just, just shake it off, Sam. A third time, this kid lays into Sam. I looked at the dad now like, are we going to have to have a talk, you know? And he said, boys will be boys. And so I got up to Sam. I said, Sam, walk away. Go in the other room. Just get out of here. So Sam turns around. He's crying. The kid comes up from behind and just pushes him from behind on his face. He's on the ground. Tears everywhere. He's embarrassed. He's humiliated. I don't know if this is the right decision or not, but I got down. I looked at Sam in the eye. I said, Sam, take him. And he, he had this resolve and this sense of justice. He's three years old. He laid into this guy, body slammed him on the ground. The other kid cries, runs to his mama. I looked at the dad and said, boys will be boys. Okay? <laughs> now, I don't know if that was the right thing. I mean, you can question my parenting skills if you want. But I just 
kind of believe that for a man, there is a time where you have to stand up for what is right. If you don't learn to stand up for yourself at some point, you're probably never gonna stand up for a woman, you're probably never gonna stand up for those who are oppressed, and you'll probably never be able to stand up for your Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. There is actually a time, I believe, for us as followers of Christ to draw a line in the sand and to take a stand. Gentlemen, if you're taking notes, I'd love for you to write this down. I believe with all my heart that men, you are created with the heart of a warrior. God created you with the heart of a warrior. In fact, in the image of God, God is many things, and there are numerous powerful metaphors for his character and nature. One of them happens to be a warrior. Exodus 15.3 says, the Lord is a what? Say it aloud, and gentlemen, you give me a little extra passion today. The Lord is a warrior. That's pathetic, man. I'm not going to play this way unless you're going to help me out. Come on. The Lord is a what? Give me, give me some passion. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. I believe that hardwired into the heart of every man is a deep desire to fight for what is right, to stand up for what is true, for what is pure, and for what is just. And I understand the pushback. Now wait, Craig, okay, I know, I know you ate your Wheaties for breakfast this morning and all that kind of stuff, and, but, but, but Christians were supposed to be full of love and tenderness and mercy and grace, and that is absolutely and completely unquestionably true. Jesus was full of love and full of mercy, and full of grace. I mean, he was hanging around kids, and he had little lambs on his shoulder. And that is all true, but it's also incomplete. I believe at the same time, while he was the most loving person who ever lived, he was also the greatest warrior who ever lived. There is no question that Jesus was willing to stand up for what is right. I mean, I'm telling you, he would stand down the Pharisees, and there was a time when he would finally push back and say, no, 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 that is dead wrong. You are nothing but a brood of vipers. I mean, this was like the lowest cut down. That's almost like a your mama cut down. I mean, he was, you know, it's as, it's as low as it could get in that time. He went into uh, the temple one time, and when they perverted the original use of the house of God and turned it into a place of profit, Jesus said, no, 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 not on my watch. And he overturned the tables, and he pulled out a whip, and he drove the money changers out of the temple. In fact, there's even this one story, and I don't know what happened, and I can only imagine, but he was actually out on the edge of a cliff, and there were all these guys around him, and they were there to push him off the cliff. And all we know, according to Scripture, is that he turned around, and when he did, the crowd parted, and he walked through the crowd. Now, you tell me. I'm imagining it, and I don't know what could have happened. I don't think he said, like, guys, please stop it, okay? I'm kind of thinking he probably had this look like, not today, boys. Carpenter arms, you don't want this, and the crowd parted. I don't know. Maybe I'm reading too much into it, but I'm not reading too much into the fact that he fought and won the greatest battle in history. 
when the sinless Savior became sin on the cross, said, Father, may your will be done unto me, and it is finished. I did what you sent me to do, and he conquered Satan, death, hell, sin, and the grave. And worse on the third day, and John, when he had a vision of Jesus coming back, his vision of the returning Christ was not just a uneducated Galilean uh, homeschooled boy, but he said this, I saw heaven standing open, Revelation 19, 11, and there before me was a white horse whose rider, Jesus, is called Faithful and True. With justice, he judges and does what? He wages war. His eyes are like a blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is the Word of God. Coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. If someone doesn't get ready to clap, you better go somewhere else. And on his robe and on his thigh, he has the name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. That is my Savior, one who simultaneously is full of grace and full of truth, full of love and full of justice, ready to turn a cheek and willing to step out and stand up for what is right. The greatest servant who ever lived and simultaneously the greatest warrior that ever lived. So, men, the big question I have for us today is this. Gentlemen, where have all the warriors gone? Where have all, not just the, the, the men, where have all the men of God gone? And quite honestly, this has apparently been a challenge throughout history, that oftentimes the men who should stand up and fight for what is right are playing video games or something else, okay? In fact, we see a tragic verse in Exodus 22, verse 30, when God made this statement. Uh, help me out with this. Uh, God said, I looked for a what, everybody? God said, I looked for a man. I looked for a man among them who would build up the wall and stand before me in the gap on behalf of the land, so I would not have to destroy it. I looked for this type of man, but what did God find? Scripture says, but he found none. I just needed one, just one, who would stand in the gap, put up a fight, defend, live righteously, and I found none. And so the question is, where have all those guys gone? I might argue in our world today, where have all the really strong men of God? There are, of course, a lot there, but our society and our culture, quite honestly, maybe is trying to turn men into women. I know I'm offending some people, but the problem is men don't make good women. <laughs> we, we just don't. I mean, I, I've been married for uh, 22 years to the love of my life, and in the early years of marriage, we had some kind of man-woman tension because I'd like to think I was doing something heroic, okay? I would go and without being asked, put the dishes in the dishwasher and run it, and quite honestly, I thought, hey, that's a pretty good husband. Okay, but what I didn't realize is there's a wrong way to load the dishwasher and there's a woman's way 
to load the dishwasher, all right? And she come in and she's like, you didn't do it right. I'm like, how can you do it wrong? They're in there. They're wet. I even put soap this time, you know? Like, I didn't I do it right. She said, no, I got to go this way and this way and this way. And, this. and I'm like, oh, I don't understand. And she looked at me, she's like, you're such a man. And for years, I took that as a compliment. I was like, well, thank you very much. Because <laughs> men were that way. We're just simple. It's kind of like Pastor Chris Beale is at my location. I can go up to him and say, Pastor Chris, how in the world did you marry Cindy? I mean, you married way above your pay grade. You outpunted your coverage. I mean, you're a dog and she's not. And Chris would be like, yeah, thanks. <laughs> right. And that's a compliment, guy to guy. Because we're, we're simple like that. It's just that's the way we are. Now, if someone goes up to his wife and like, how did a scrawny thing like you get a stud like that? It doesn't work in reverse. It's just, it's just different like that, right? It's just, because we're guys, you're such a man. And like, thank you. And what I didn't realize is she was cutting me down. And so after a while, I finally just said, Amy, you should have married a woman. Because I can't be that. And, and there was tension. And after a while, she had kind of this moment where she realized she was asking me, to do something that I wasn't wired to do. And so there's this, I never will forget this really powerful moment where she said, Craig, I want you to know I'm sorry for trying to get you to be something that you're not. She said, I never will forget it. She said, I 100% embrace you as the man that God created you to be. And I, I can't tell you what happened inside of me. It was like I was empowered by the woman who knew me best to be who God created to me and to be. And suddenly I took on a deeper servant spirit and, and I felt empowered to be a man of God. And what she said recently, she said, Craig never became the guy that I hoped he would be, but when I supported him, he exceeded every expectation that I ever had. So I would say, ladies, don't tell him what he's not, okay? Tell him what he can be. Build him up as one who can fight and stand for what is right. Gentlemen, I believe, and I'm not telling you you have to be an alpha punk bully guy. That's not the message. But deep hardwired in your soul is a desire to fight for something bigger than yourself. Let me give you two principles today that every warrior must know. Gentlemen, I believe with all my heart that every warrior has a cause to fight for. Every warrior has a cause to, to fight for. There's something that happens when we're called to something greater than ourselves. Nehemiah, uh, when he was rebuilding the walls and Sanballat and Tobiah, the enemies, came to try to distract and destroy, he called together the people and said this in Nehemiah 4.14, the rally cry. He said, don't be afraid of them, our enemies. And then he said, remember the Lord who is great and awesome. And here's what he said to do. He said, fight for your families your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. Fight for something bigger than yourself. And I can guarantee you there was something in these men that came to life. Yes, that I will fight for those that I love. I will fight for our city. I will fight for my children. I will fight for our homes. It's kind of like the difference between movies. There's two kinds of movies. There's chick flicks and there's movies. Right? I mean, that's the way it is. I'm not against chick flicks. I kind of liked Downton Abbey. I just want you to know. I'm just saying. I don't know what you think about that. I may have lost points with the guys, but I kind of like Downton Abbey. But Braveheart, 
gladiator makes me want to worship God in heaven. There's something about Mel Gibson painting his face blue, riding on a horse and said, how many of you who have trade all these days for just one day to come back and tell our enemies they may take our lives, but they'll never take our freedom. I'm sitting there going, oh, if I only could have been born there, I would have painted my face blue and I would have fought my brains out. Why? Because there's something inside of us that says, there's a cause for you to fight for. And gentlemen, I don't know what it would be right now for you, but some of you, you better get in the battle and fight for your marriage. Because if you don't, you're not going to have one. And you can do what a lot of guys do and say it got tough and you walk away, or you can do what a real man of God does and own up to your own sins and apologize and ask for forgiveness, or forgive when you've been wronged, or humble yourself and love her as Christ loved the church and you fight for your marriage. Some of you, it's for your kids, because while you're off trying to be successful in your career, you may not have been successful being a dad, and your kids may be heading in the wrong way, and it's time you stand up and fight for them and bring them back to the place they should be. Some of you, financially, your boat is sinking, and you better start bailing out and say, I'm going to fight for this because I'm going to wisely manage what God has put into my hands. It's not going to be about me. We're going to be givers, and we're going to be free, and you got to fight for that. Some of you, there may be an addiction that's been taking you down for years, gentlemen, and if you don't fight for purity and fight to overcome, it will take you out. You're created with a cause to fight for. In fact, I would say this, man. I would say, until you find a cause for which you're willing to die, you will never truly live. You have a cause to fight for. The second thing, if you're taking notes, is this. A warrior without a cause to fight for will find the wrong thing to fight against. A warrior without a cause to fight for will find the wrong thing to fight against. In fact, in verse 3 of Acts 8, we see this with Saul, who was called by God to fight for the church, but without that understanding, he fought to destroy the church. In fact, verse 3 says, but Saul began to do just that, to destroy the church, going from house to house. He dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. Now, if I can pause for a moment and just talk to the ladies for a second. If, if some of this language makes you uncomfortable, like, I don't like all this warrior violence talk, uh, I can guess that perhaps the reason is because you might have been hurt by a man's strength gone bad. And I need to just say right now, I, I don't understand that firsthand, but I can only imagine how that feels. And I don't know how it's going to work uh, on the other side of this life, but I'm guessing we serve a just God. And I don't know how any man who's used his strength to hurt a woman or hurt a child, I don't know how he's not going to answer to God for that one day. There is no excuse whatsoever for a violent man. And, and I, I, I can understand why you would feel that way. At the same time, what I want to tell you is strength is not bad. When you've been loved and protected by strength, there's something righteous about that. 
The problem with men is if we're not fighting for the right thing, there's a fighting spirit in us. We end up fighting against the wrong thing. We'll, we'll fight against authority. We'll fight against our boss. Sometimes we'll be mad at ourselves, hate ourselves, and take it out on our wives or our children. We'll even fight against those who are trying to help us. A warrior without the right cause to fight for ends up fighting against the wrong thing. In fact, in my book, Fight, what I do is I look at, uh, in detail, uh, Samson in the Old Testament. He was a guy that was designed to fight for the freedom of his people, but he ended up fighting the wrong battles again and again. He was an incredibly strong man with a dangerously weak will. And we look in detail at how he fights the wrong battles, wins the wrong battles, and ultimately at the end gets it right, illustrating the fact that, men, if you're not dead, you're not done. God's not finished with you yet, even though you may not be winning at what matters most today. I believe with the power of God in a moment, things can change, and the warrior spirit within you can rise up, and you can fight as a servant, and you can fight as a warrior, and you can fight with love, and you can fight with strength, because in you, I believe, is the heart of one who wants to stand up for what is right, what is pure, what is true, and what is just. God has created you with the heart of a warrior. So, how do we fight? How are we called to fight? I want to just show you two things, and then we'll pray. Two ways you'll have to fight. Gentlemen, the first one is this. Sometimes you'll have to throw a punch. Sometimes you'll have to throw a punch. Now, I'm using this illustration as a metaphor. So if someone cuts you off in a church parking lot today, don't pull them over and say, well, Pastor Craig told me to do this in the name of Jesus. I'm laying hands on you. Okay, I'm not <laughs> saying that. What I'm saying is spiritually speaking or emotionally, in some ways, you're going to have to stand up for what is right. And I love the way Samson did this at the end of his story after he messed up again and again and again, got a really bad haircut after flirting with Delilah and even more. And he was created to set God's people free from the oppressive hands of the Philistines, and yet he ended up blind and uh, in, in, uh, wrapped up in, in, a, in a humiliating state. Uh, at the end of his life, verse 28 of Judges 16, he throws a punch. I love this. Samson prayed to the Lord, Sovereign Lord, remember me again, O God, and please strengthen me. I love this line with all my heart. Please strengthen me just one more time. There, there's something about this that, that, that resonates with me. I don't, I don't need two chances, God, just one. There's some of you, you may be at a place like that today. Just one, God. Give me one shot. I've, I've had forgiveness again and again and again and again, and I don't need two. God, just give me one. With one blow, let me pay back the Philistines for the loss of my eyes. Then Samson put his hands on the two center pillars that held up the temple. All the Philistine rulers... Uh, were here. There, there was more of the leadership intelligence in one place than any other time, uh, and they're all there pushing against the pillars with both hands. He prayed, let me die with the Philistines, and the temple crashed down on their rulers and the people, so he killed more people when he died 
than he had during his whole lifetime. He threw a punch. He stood up. He did what he was called to do. He threw a punch. Gentlemen, sometimes you're going to have to do that. But let me tell you what I'll say from my perspective, what he did at that moment was relatively easy. It was relatively easy. He died one time. He was a hero in the moment. And guys, I know there's not a single one of you that if you're at a place where maybe you got a wife or children or someone you love and uh, an intruder breaks into your home, I don't care who you are, you will fight to defend them. You may be in your boxers and suddenly you grab a lamp and you're going to make that thing a weapon, but you will die trying to protect the people that you love. Why? You've got the heart of a warrior. I would say this. It's easy to die once, to give your life one time. A great man of God dies daily. A great man of God lays his life down daily to serve Christ, to serve his family, to serve his church, to serve the poor, to serve those who are hurting. And every now and then, man, you just look around. You, say, you know what? I've been fighting for myself. I mean, it's all about the weekends. It's all about football, the lake, fishing, my boat, golf. Why do you think you feel so empty? Because you're fighting for something that doesn't matter. Don't you dare waste your passion and your calling just enjoying life for yourself. Look around at something that bothers you, that gets down in your soul and say, no, I don't think I'm okay with this. I mean, the fact that there's this, this, this kid that, that doesn't have a dad and, and, and his mom is working three jobs, and you know what? He needs a role model. I'm not okay that he doesn't have one. Then throw a punch and do something about it. You, you may look around and say, yeah, there's people in the world that clean drinking water could solve the majority of the problems they have. Rather than buying a newer car, why don't we throw a punch and take what we've got and do something about this? Something comes to life when you, inside of you when you do that. You may look at a family and just say, hey man, they don't have anything and, and Christmas is coming up and hey, instead of doing so much for our family, why don't we do something for somebody else? You, you may look at some cause that just gets down in your soul and you look at it and say, this isn't right. God couldn't like this, and I don't like it. You know what? Mm -mm. Not on my watch. Not while I'm here. And you throw a punch, and you say, I'm going to stand up for this. Gentlemen, sometimes you throw a punch. And if you're taking notes, sometimes you turn a cheek. Sometimes you throw a punch, and sometimes the strongest thing you can do as a warrior is turn a cheek. In fact, Jesus got on to Peter when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, knowing that he was to give his life, and the Roman soldiers came to take him away, and Peter pulls out the sword, and he cuts off the guy's ear. Why? Because he had bad aim. He wasn't going, hey, watch this, I'm going to cut off his ear. He's going for the guy's head. Okay, and he missed, and Jesus is like, Peter, give me his ear. Jesus' power heals his ear. Put your sword up, okay? We're not doing it this way. Th this isn't one of those battles. And Judas comes up, and what does Jesus do? He lets him betray, Judas betray him, and kisses him 
on the cheek. He turns a cheek. He teaches if someone strikes you, you turn the cheek. He never says what to do if they strike you twice. I'm just saying. But he says if they strike you once, turn the cheek. So, men, the sword or the punch is not our best weapon. Our best weapon is always God's love through us. And some of you may need to learn to fight, not just like a man, because any guy can throw a punch, but you need to learn to fight like a man of God, where you fight with an unconditional love of God that flows through you as simultaneously a warrior and a servant leader who lays down your life daily for those around you. How do you turn a cheek? Well, sometimes you love with God's love and say, you know what, I haven't been the man I'm supposed to be to you, will you forgive me? Children, I have not been involved in your life and led you to do anything. Hey, we're going to church, man. We're, we're gonna make a difference. We're gonna use our lives for something bigger than ourselves. You may turn the cheek and forgive someone who did something that feels unforgivable to you because you're gonna forgive like Christ has forgiven you and you turn the other cheek. Here's the deal, gentlemen. You are only as strong as you are honest. You are only as strong as you are honest. And I'm gonna ask you today to be as honest as you can and define very clearly at this moment and in this season, what is the battle that you must win? What is the fight that you must fight? Some of you is gonna be for somebody else. Some of you is gonna be for your marriage. Some of you may be for financial freedom or to get free from an addiction to pornography or some sort of sexual sin. Some of you, it might be to overcome anger. For some of you, it might be a higher calling to go stand in the gap for someone else's life and say, on my watch, I'm getting involved and I'm gonna make a difference. God says, I look for a man who would stand in the gap, fight the battle, make a difference but he found none. If God comes looking here, I believe he's gonna find many. Henry Varley, years ago, said to D.L. Moody, who became one of the greatest evangelists in uh, recent centuries, Henry Varley said to Mr. Moody, the world has yet to see what God can do through one man wholly surrendered unto him. And D.L. Moody thought about it for a moment, and he said, I will be that man. I will be that man. The world is yet to see what God can do through one man, wholly surrendered unto him. Gentlemen, you can be that man. God is looking for a man, not just a man, but a man of God. We'll stand in the gap and fight for what is right and what is pure and what is true, and what is just. And when you fight, sometimes you throw a punch, and sometimes you turn the other cheek. God is looking for a warrior. Gentlemen, you can be that man. Father, I pray that you would empower the men in our church and beyond, God, not just to be men, but to be men of God, not to be full of force and power and, and, and be a bully, but to be servant leaders, 
who will not let sin cross their path, to draw a line in the sand and say, God, by your strength and your power, we will stand up for what is right and we will fight to win the battles that matter most. As you pray today at all of our different churches, let's go beyond just the men and let's talk to everybody. Uh, ladies, you may not be a warrior, but I believe you're a warrior princess. You've got a divine calling on your life. Your life is set apart by God for his purpose and his glory, and you've got some fights to fight too. What I want you to do is think for a minute and open up your heart to what God might say to you. And I want you to be very specific. What is the battle that you need to fight and win? Everybody think about this for a moment. You may even just say, God, show me what it is right now. What is it that you need me to do? Who do you want me to stand up for? What private battle do I need your power to conquer and win? What battle do you need to fight and win at this moment and this season in your life? At all of our different churches, those of you would say, you know what, I know what it is, and I want to take it before God, and I want his help. I know the battle I must fight, the one I must win, and I need his help to win it. Would you lift up your hands right now just all over the churches? Lift up your hands right now. Lift them up in a moment of honesty before God. I think you can put, put them down right now. God, I pray that you would do what only you can do in our hearts, God. We just acknowledge, and especially on behalf of the men, that we are incredibly weak. We do not have what it takes to do what you want us to do. God, that's why we need you. We need your power to be made perfect in our weakness. God, I pray especially for the men that you would give them the, uh, the strength to rise up and do what you called them to do. God, that we would live for something beyond ourselves, that we would sense your divine destiny that you've put in our heart a purpose and a calling and a, and a reason for our life well beyond our selfish desires. God, help us to have a cause to fight for. God, give us strength and victory to do what you called us to do, and we'll give you the glory for everything that you do because it's by your power and for your name that we live and move and have our being. As you keep praying today at all of our different churches, I, I wanna say this just as clearly as I can. Um, for many of you right now, there is a battle going on. There is a spiritual battle. Scripture is really clear, and it says that our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities of this dark world. Scripture says that the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. We've got spiritual weapons. They've got divine power to demolish strongholds. And just as Jesus fought the greatest battle of all time, he gave his life so that our sins could be forgiven. And I believe for many of you there's a battle going on right now between the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness. And right now you may be feeling drawn to God. You realize I'm not a fully devoted follower of Christ, but there's something drawing you to God right now. Let me tell you what that is. That's the power of his Holy Spirit. That's what the Spirit does. Then there's a voice in the back of your head going, this is stupid, don't do this religious thing, this is stupid. What is that? That's a battle. That's God drawing you. That's your spiritual enemy resisting you. You've got a choice to make. What do you want to do, life without him or life with him? I believe with all my heart that God brought many of you here because today is the first day that you win the battle. Would you recognize I am a sinner and I do need a savior? I have wandered away from God and doing life apart from him and today I wanna to turn to him and I wanna ask his son Jesus to forgive me and make me brand new. And God is gonna win the battle for your salvation because that's why you're here. You recognize it, 
You need his savior. You need his forgiveness. You need his grace. You're turning from your own way. You're turning toward him. And you call out and say, I surrender today. Jesus, I give my life to you. That's your prayer at all of our churches. Would you lift your hands high right now? Just lift them up high and say, yes, that's my prayer. Lift them up high. And I just, I want to find you eye to eye back here. Both of you in this section, two hands up over here. God bless you guys. Both hands up right over here, and both of you here together. Praise God for you. Right up here close, ma'am, and, and right back here toward the back. Praise God for you. Church Online, you click right below me here in this middle section. Others of you who say, yes, that's my prayer. Right back over here, gentlemen and, and ma'am, right here. Praise God for you. And right over here as well. Man, fantastic. Right back over here. God bless you guys. I don't know how you sit there and be quiet in the middle of this awesome move of God. Others of you today who say, that's my prayer. Would you pray with those around you? Everybody together pray. Heavenly Father, forgive me for all my sins. I need your grace. I need your mercy. I believe Jesus died for me and he rose again so I could live for you. Fill me with your Holy Spirit so I could serve you with all my heart. Thank you for new life. Today I give you mine. In Jesus' name I pray. Somebody worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Thank God for who he is, for his grace, his mercy, and his risen son.